Greetings and welcome to In the Finest Hour, a competitive 40k podcast featuring tips and strategies you can use in about an hour. I am your good host, Shailen Allen West, and with me is Sean Morgan, also known as Abuse Puppy, our neutral host. Good evening. <laughs> with awesome timing today. And as usual, we have Ben Jerk, the evil host. Coming to a town near you. No, I'm serious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some one of us is traveling more than the other three. <laughs> or two, because math is hard. Alright, so before we get too deep diving into this uh tournament packet games workshop gave us so courteously, I thought we would talk about the most important part of it. They made Texas an orcish long skull. Wait. Quite happy with that. Like, I, I kind of want to do a uh, a small conversion with a, a Texas Longhorn with a orc glyph as the skull. That would that make me. I would enjoy that. I don't know about you guys. Like, the Texas one is fine, but it's you know it's Texas. I I really can't completely overcome my antipathy there. <laughs> but Louisiana being a sister's flirtily. Come on, you gotta give some points for that. Indeed, the French district is pleased with you. I was gonna say, just like, flirtilies are cool. They're cooler than skulls. I'm just gonna say it. I, I actually agree with that. And then we have the the near uh, um, IP robbery of, uh, of Orlando, um, where it's like, it's like we can't <laughs> oh, make it a dolphin, yeah, that... but we can make it a shark. We can do almost all the same other stuff, though, as far as colors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you put, like, some armor on it, so it's uh, technically different. Yeah. The the Florida one, they were real clearly like, we can't think of anything that isn't X-rated for Florida. No one knows anything about Florida that isn't horrible. Uh, sports team? <gasps> Well, they can do sports team, and they could have gone after Disney, but I think Disney would kind of Disney has got bigger lawyers than they do. Disney, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can you imagine a Mickey Mouse forty forty k theme. What if what if they just did like an old person, just like a withered, near skeletonized corpse? You think that would be inspiring? Mm, I mean, it's just a pox I, I mean, they could have done. They could have just done chaos. I was thinking the emperor. I mean, is not Florida Chaos Incarnate? Yeah, but again, they're trying to think of something positive. Like, they, they're trying to evoke a, a, a feeling that would make someone want to go to Florida, which is nearly impossible. What about the Mechanicus? I mean, they are home to one of the biggest space centers in the U.S. Oh, they could have done a space thing. You're right. Yeah, yeah. But the in 40k, like space travel is just like taking a bus. It doesn't. It doesn't have. It doesn't really feel special. There's not a space travel agency in 40k because you know everyone does that. Okay, okay, okay. What about Catachance? See, Catachance could have worked. Uh, jungles fighting horrific monsters. Uh, you, you could have done something with a Catachance. Well, I still appreciate tongue in cheek. So what they did was fine. I get it. I see what they were going for. I don't like it because it's Florida, but I get it. That is actually a main reason why I don't want to go to that term is because I really don't want to go to Florida. I'd rather go to Las Vegas, which is saying something. It's Florida in the summer. Yeah, that's a choice. 
Like the New Orleans one, I really want to go to because it's in October. But it's Florida in the summer. Anyway. I mean, as long as you're indoor all day long, then I guess maybe, but there, yeah. There's a smell that Florida that penetrates the indoors <laughs> and drives you slightly mad. I may or may not have grandparents that lived out there for a while and had to visit them every winter. Mm-hmm. All right, so important discussions about the color choices aside. Also, once I got on Sisters thing, they did pick the color choice for the paint scheme Sean picked for my army, so extra points for New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Definitely the best one. Purple and green is good. With gold. Yeah. <laughs> so in this episode, we are doing a crosstalk about the Games Workshop Opens in the United States. Uh, we are talking about it very specifically because it's been a very long while since Games Workshop has held a sizable tournament in the U.S. deliberately like this. Yeah, if you don't mind my diverting things to talk about the history a little bit here, because I think I've been playing the longest of the three of us. That's not for debate, Sean, it's a fact. We get it, you're old. It depends on how you measure things, but yeah. So, for those who may not have played in earlier editions, or may not know much about those editions, Games Workshop did used to have their own tournaments. Uh, way back in the day, dating all the way back to second edition, they ran, I think it was second edition when they started the, anyways, they, they, they ran Ard Boys, which was what they thought competitive play looked like. Um, it had no painting requirement of any kind. The missions were, they were Games Workshop missions. Um, and I think that's all you really need to say about it. And it was a nationwide tournament that the prize for winning it was a 2,000-point army of your faction. It was not super well regarded by actual competitive players. So I'm, like, I'm like, why would I want 2,000 more points of the army I just played? Yeah, well, it could be any army. It didn't oh, have okay. to be, it was an army of your choice. Okay, I think said of your faction. I was like, I was like wait, but... I... <laughs> yeah, you, you picked a faction and you got an army of that faction, basically. And I, as I understood it, you basically got to kind of like dictate, like, this is what I want my army to be, and you can kind of get whatever. Um, okay. But it was actually run by the individual stores, uh, at least at the basic level. So what you had was like almost like a franchise arrangement where, you know, individual stores would run their Ard Boys event and then that would be all of those winners would go to the regional Ard Boys and then the regional winners would go to the national Ard Boys. Um, that had a lot of problems. Uh, there were a lot of allegations of misconduct at various times because every store ran their tournament their own way and that eventually got dropped because basically no one liked it and it gave way to a succession of other poorly performing tournaments when GW essentially decided to pull out of the tournament game Um, they had a very briefly run event called the Throne of Blood where the winner of the tournament was not the person who won the most games. It was the person who did the best compared to other players of their faction. What? So if 
all of the other members of your faction went zero and eight, and you went two and six, congratulations, you won the tournament. Okay, then. That's... Wow. Yeah, um... They had a number of other events during this time as well, um, of varying types and, and whatnot, but you, you can sort of see where their head was at during this whole process, where they, they pulled out of organized tournament play and decided they were going to do their own thing with their own ideas, and it didn't work out super well. And that eventually led to the ITC and kind of the, the tournament format we all know, but now they're getting back into things again. Yes, uh, notably after the community figured out what it wanted and it had a model to work with, as opposed to whatever they were guessing with. Yeah, and also I think as they recognize the value that tournaments hold to their business as a whole, regardless of what aspects of it they want to emphasize. Tournaments are valuable even to non-tournament players. Yeah. I... I really, I got pretty excited at the announcement, um, and I've kind of been like a roller coaster of emotions. My initial, uh, my initial reactions to the announcement of these tournaments, because like I was like, okay, first off, who's actually running it, um, and then like, are they going to run a decent tournament? And it turns out they have they have a relatively good team. Um, the thing, the thing that got me as a person who who books his travel way in advance is the prices on these like hotel rooms and venues they've they've picked are insane <laughs> um especially for like the av- compared to the average day for any other gt or anything else i travel to like the some of those hotels are ranging in like the three to five hundred dollar a night range uh if i want to stay at the same venue that they're hosting at so i'm just like what the frick were they thinking i mean they've mostly sold out so i people are figuring it out maybe not staying exactly on site but I, I'm a person who likes to take the elevator down to the down from my room to the to uh, the tournament. Yeah, I think GW is leaning in on like we can afford to only cater to the high end crowd, and oh, maybe they're not wrong, uh, but it's it's certainly a big disincentive for anyone who's looking to do this on a budget. Yeah, the other thing is, I don't know what their player cap is, uh, and it says specifically in their tournament that might be subject to some change based on COVID regulations, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, So the fact that I don't know how many players it is, and I'm spending like up to $100, over $100 on a ticket, I I really want to know how many people are going to be there at that point. And I don't, and that's really frustrating. They are, they are playing eight rounds. It should be sizable, at least a hundred people, but you know. Oh, I'm. I would be shocked if it were that small. They will, they will break two fifty um, plus for each of those. I don't. I don't think they're gonna have a problem. Yeah, I'm. I'm expecting two fifty plus at the minimum, and I feel like you know four or five hundred is pretty plausible. Yeah, they're they're going to be relatively big events. There's there's pretty good stir around them, and as I said, the tickets for the most part, like they're they've they've been selling well. It's not they haven't had an issue selling tickets. Um, the yeah. I think whoever plotted out where it is in the country didn't think, oh well, maybe we should put one in each quadrant of the country or so, uh, and just kind of put them all in the southeast or you know Texas. Give like with like the one in that they think is the middle of the U.S., but really it's just it's just Texas. It's its own thing. Yeah. 
is as much Texas likes to think it is the center of the U.S., it is not. That's more like Indianapolis. Yeah, it's, it is definitely a very strange distribution. And in fairness to them, um, the East Coast is more heavily populated than the West Coast. But there is a pretty sizable chunk, you know, more than a third of the people live in the western half of the country. Um, it does feel like maybe they should have put one of them in, I don't know, L.A. or San Francisco or something like that. Like they, they could have they could have Cali, done yeah. something. Yeah, I the thing that just it's weird for me um, is like I said, it's once again, I go back to the cost thing, like. I just did the Atlantic City Open um, for mm-hmm. what if I told it all out for like a third the price of what yeah. of what one of these events is going to cost, and it's not in Atlantic City. It's it's still a decent city location, but it's like it's not like it's at like some premium uh, outlet that you really need to go to. Um, so uh, I'm just a little weirded out by like by the by the cost of it all. I mean, I'm still would probably do it. It's just. It's it's just in like a, as a as a uh, apples to apples comparison. It's definitely a bit weird. I I think that's just the result of the corporate involvement. Um, they're they're not thinking in terms of like how can we push down our cost to get as many players. They're thinking in terms of how can we maximize our profit on this. Um, and yeah. from that perspective. Uh, the, they're fine not getting the crowd who is going to balk at a $200 ticket. Um, that's, they're not interested in those people because they're not going to spend the money that they're looking for. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is, at least from my perspective is, uh, they do have a Warhammer store they opened up in Texas, which is why I wasn't surprised when the events was happening in Texas. Yeah, that was a given. Uh, that's kind of their home ground in the U.S., so to speak. And a lot of those are major cities in the Texas area. So from a logic standpoint, it makes sense. But Europe, Europeans do not know how big the U.S. is. Conceptually, they don't understand that. So they might feel this isn't that inconvenient when they realize that this is hundreds of miles for a lot of people. Thousands. Yeah. The minimum, we're, we're all West Coasters, the minimum distance for any of us is still like at least a day's drive, like a full or multiple days drive. So in a... Yeah, I was going to say from from where we are to Texas, I guess you're closer. Uh, you yeah. I don't know, you may, might be able to do it in a dry day, but that's... Austin? Austin's still like 20-some hours. Yeah, I was going to say, like, that's a real long push. <laughs> so all three of us are going to on airplanes. Yeah, and like Florida and Louisiana, yeah, no, we're, that's, we're, we, that's why airplanes exist, but um, that's, that's kind of like my first impression of what they got of the, uh, of the announcement. I, I am pleased to see the announcement, but we'll go into detail about that later. Um, so the packet's broken up into six sections, which is like event essentials, which is the equivalent of a first page of a tournament packet. I don't agree with all the information they put on there and the information they left out, but that's me. Do you want to go into detail on that? Sure. Uh, I like to have the freaking schedule, and what they've got is check-in and late arrival policies. They do have the schedule. Yeah, just not on the first page. Well, yeah. yeah. I feel the, the schedule of play is actually an essential. 
Yeah, I, 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 I guess I can't disagree with your your feeling on that. Um, but they they do have the full schedule posted, and you know the most relevant yeah, yeah. part is when you need to be there. Yes. Um, the oddest thing about the tournament packet is they don't outright say what the points total is anywhere. They just say battle size strike force. Yeah. And the top number of points in a strike force is 2,000. But I just, I find it so, so weird that they don't include that little one number that's stupid important for the whole experience. It is a very, like, it's such a trivial thing to add. You know, you could write strike force 2,000 points, uh, and they don't... And I feel like that's got to be an intentional choice. I mean, you're welcome to bring less. Strike force is a range. You can bring <laughs> less. You just need there, to bring a strike I guarantee force. you there's going to be someone who shows up with 1,500 points and is really surprised that everyone else doesn't also have 1,500 points. Yeah, because that might be a strike force army to them and their local meta. Yeah. As, as far as what they want, uh, what they're looking for there, I don't, I don't see that as too big a deal because it, it still gets the point across of you can have up to two thousand points, but not exactly. And saying strike force is is the easiest way of saying that because like if you if you put two thousand and someone's like, well, I need to make two thousand, I can't run my nineteen ninety seven army. Um, we, like we all get the point. It's, ever... it's pretty arbitrary, but yeah. It's, it's... I, I get what they did with it, but they could just that we don't need to use their keyword terms. That not, I don't think most people knew that Strike Force is the two thousand point cap, but you have to, make sure yeah. you have to go look it up. Yeah, I think a lot of people are would have to be like, "What is Strike Force? Is Strike Force the, the 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 really big one or the medium one or the big one?" Or I don't remember. Like, yeah, yeah. Because um, the reality is, you don't say strike force in any U.S. tournament at all, um, and I'm not even certain they do in most European tournaments. I've seen those packets, and they say point number. Yeah, it it, it is an odd choice to make. Uh, I do have to admit it's readable, so at least I'll give them points for that. Like I can read their packet. Yeah, the formatting is nice. I I certainly appreciate that. So. The army construction stuff, understandably, they are making you use all of the GW stuff. You have to use their app if you're going to use the app. Um, you have to have all your books and crap if you don't have the digital versions, which means you have the app, because that's where the digital versions are. Yeah, requiring the app is a somewhat questionable thing, but I don't know. I don't think it's required. I think it's definitely a you can use the app. Um, the hmm. I, I've heard some people talking about the fact that they're likely going to be using B, BCP at these events still, and a lot of like tongue in cheek of like, well, I'm just gonna leave the little quote that says created in battle scribe at the bottom of my army list because you know, yeah, just just be that little bit of troll. <laughs> Right. They cuz cuz yeah, they don't specifically require you to use the app for constructing your army. They that's no. a different thing. But they do list the app as one of the like required resources in the thing. So it's a little ambiguous there. Yeah, it's codexes, the app, campaign books, the packet, White Dwarf, FAQs, errata, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Now, admittedly, my army has zero White Dwarf entries, <laughs> zero campaign book. Well, I guess one campaign book, which is the most important one because it fixes the codex. Yeah. Um, 
So, like, I don't have to bring all of the above, because I can't bring all of the above. <laughs> right. I, I do like they have a little note that says, your list needs to be presented in an easy-read format. I, I appreciate this. Yeah, although, um... All tournaments have basically said that since forever. Uh, I mean, like, not literally all, but as a, a very common thing in the past decade. Uh, the advancement the ITC made was that they they made a specific format and said, like, you need to have these things visible in your list. This doesn't have that, which leaves it more ambiguous. True. Readable is a very subjective word. I've seen many a tournament packet where they don't say readable lists, so that's all I'm going to say. Yeah, it certainly happens, but... I don't think if I couldn't read my opponent's list that I wouldn't, like, call a, call a judge, or at least in the ITC Code of Conduct, be like, yo, yellow card this guy. Um. <laughs> I mean, well, I, I guess, like, the, the difference would be, like, some people print out their armies in the, uh, the Battle Scribe full format. Where it lists every frag grenade and every and they shall know no fear on every model in the army. I hate that format. I think it's unreadable. Yeah. But very clearly, some people disagree on that. It's still legible. I, I guess. They got me. Good job. Yeah, in the most technical sense. Over-information does make things less legible. I yeah. have, like... Books I studied in high college about that. Uh, that's why I dislike them not giving any definition there. Like, you're not even required to list point values or upgrades or anything else. It just says readable. Oh. Um, obviously, they're using the same paint standard that they put in their tournament packet thing, which is paint your army as pretty as possible. Yeah, it's... It is interesting. Um, the painting standard they show is what I would consider a relatively high standard. Uh, it's well beyond yeah. just three colors. There was a little bit of controversy uh, earlier that's been a bit more clarified since that um, about using other faction painted uh, units as other factions. Um, like, if I have yellow on my orcs, I can't play them as evil sons and stuff like that. Um, it, they've walked that It back. doesn't say you... <laughs> yeah, it doesn't say you can't. It just says you require approval to do so, which is like, oh, okay. Uh, and they want, like, photos of every converted model for pre-approval, as well as every non-standard faction color, which is... Shaylin's entire army? Oh, it's gonna, it's most people's armies. That is the majority of armies in the game, which I feel like that is going to absolutely swamp whoever's in charge of that. Yeah, the, the goal here, the, the, the goal here, and they've walked it back a bit, um, at least in the discussions I've heard, the goal here was to create uh, good-looking armies that play well on the board and players aren't going to confuse for things that they're not. Um, it's, sure. it's very similar in a WYSIWYG fashion. Uh, I know the company Squad Marks already got like approval as a thing that designates your units between each other faction-wise, uh, and they're already like using that huh. in their advertisement of just like GW approved uh, squad identification. I'm like, all right then, uh, take that capitalism and run because I know I know some people are going to need that. Um, 
especially yeah. especially uh, yeah. if they're doing like especially like Drukari where you have like mixed uh mixed faction and stuff like that. Yeah. There's there's some choices made there. We'll see what happens as a result of them. The uh I guess the next thing that that excites me as a player who like as a player who likes to have at least clarity in my games and someone I can be able to call on is that they're going to actually have a plan to have judges at this event. Um, how many and who they are? Yeah. Good question, but uh, it's I'm I'm excited to specifically have that. Um, just because like there's been one there's been multiple events where honestly I didn't really feel a lot of faith in the judges. Um, I don't feel like if I called them they'd make the right call. <laughs> yeah, we've all been there. Yeah, I the the pessimist in me definitely looks at like, oh, a GW event with judges who can make active decisions. Well, that will turn out well. Uh, GW definitely understands the rules they write and are not basing things off their feelings about what models should do. Yeah, <laughs> at least they they already cover their butts with it, and they're like, "Hey, what we say, whatever gets ruled in a game, is not precedent or binding." Like, yeah, you know, if someone gets ruled something wrong, it doesn't become the the rule for the rest of the event, or like. You know, let's say I, let's right. say my my opponent got something ruled in their favor. Uh, that's a little janky. Um, in round one, in round two, if they do it again, like there's not a precedent. It, it got called that once, so it can get called again. Yeah, yeah, that's a good call. Um, they they do say uh to like basically not be a jerk. They have something vaguely describing that behavior. Yeah. I I think this is another place where they have moved backwards from the ITC, where, like, their sportsmanship thing is just like, be nice to each other. Uh, and, 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 like, th their presumption is, like, no two reasonable people playing a game well could have a sportsmanship disagreement. That's impossible. And I feel like that is, I mean, just objectively wrong yeah that's the whole point of having an explicit code of conduct as you can say like these things are acceptable these things are not acceptable they leave it vague for a reason at the very least like i get why they're leaving it vague because they'd rather have it they'd rather be able to appeal to a judge about anything between your opponent being a dick uh, or your opponent cheating or whichever uh, versus the ITC code of conduct which the new one came out after they published this um, yeah and mm -hmm. you know I believe we should probably talk about that at some point uh, but the the new code of conduct I, I think I would not be surprised if they stole particular pieces from it and kind of used it in reference but not follow it like a bible yeah um so an observation is they also have a quit policy, which is basically where if yeah. someone's like, I'm done playing, I need to quit. You need to bring a judge over to help you calculate the score, which I know is to prevent feel bads and make sure no one's shafting each other there. But at the same time, I don't know how many judges they have. And I know this is a fairly common occurrence. So good luck, team. Yeah, they again, they like they seem to lean in on like normally everyone plays all of their games to completion. And it's like. Hmm. Kind of. Maybe. No. Like, a lot of people do call the game early for a variety of reasons. 
But on the other hand, if they have a large judging staff, which is not impossible with a Games Workshop run event, like they have money to pay judges if they go that route. And I'm not I'm not necessarily expecting that. But like in theory, they do have the, the financials to do that. They could have a pretty high judge percentage. I mean, it's not implausible for them to have one judge for every 10 players. Um, and at that point, yeah. you can do that. You can just say, like, if you have to end your game early, call a judge. And there are enough judges, that's not a problem. Yeah, I'm guessing it's going to be one judge yes. to 32 people, because uh, that's one judge of 16 tables. Hmm. Um, and that, that multiplies out nicely. Uh, where you where you end up having yeah. you know eight, where you end up having eight judges uh, to, to cover a two hundred fifty six yeah. person tournament, which I believe is the ballpark number that they're it's... guessing. They even reference it uh, in the packet where yeah, that that feels like it would be not enough for what they seem to want here. Uh, although that yeah. that is not that is a fairly standard number for a super major. Yeah. Um. They do have, but I can something I actually did like is they have the game speed milestones. Um, yeah, I I haven't played enough games to really feel out how reasonable these are. They don't strike me as legitimately bad. Um, as in like they're not like super wrong, but they may not be as as right as I would like them to be. If that makes sense, I think yeah. they're a pretty good eighty twenty. Um, it is nice. Yeah. Uh, it's like, here, you need to be moving at this kind of clip, guys. It, it's good they at least have that there to kind of, like, be some kind of mechanism. I think it's just, it is worse than using chess clocks, but um, I don't think GW likes that level of precision. Yeah, that was my next comment was going to be chess clocks. Because, like, the fact that I can't force someone to use one, and let's say I get into a matchup with someone I know yeah. that is a, a, a person yeah, that's well, meant to take their time, or I'm playing against a 300 model army, uh, I'm scared of that. The 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 thing the thing to remember here is GW wants this to be a tournament for everyone, and chess clocks are very much a competitive play thing. They are not something that casual players yeah. use. They're not something that narrative players use. I think it's it's going to cause problems, but it's not going to cause any more problems than you normally see at tournaments. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's the worst option, but it's very in fitting with their philosophy for what they want here. Fun fact, you can, this is an ITC tournament. Yeah, uh, which, I mean, it doesn't affect like the rules or anything, Just but you get points the, for it. The points will go down. Um and there's your event schedule in the uh, in the tournament format, uh, at least for the August tournament. I don't know if you'll yeah three yeah. three hours per round is reasonably generous. Half hour breaks is actually reasonably generous. That's as well. yeah, that's a, a good amount of time in between rounds, more than most tournaments give, honestly. Uh, but three-hour rounds, like, that's a fair amount of time, but it's not going to be enough. It's never enough. There's always a slow player. Oh, yeah. Um, I, there's going to be a lot of mid-table games that struggle to get to three rounds all the way through, um, even with oh, the yeah. new system and stuff. It's just, 40k takes a while to play. Yeah, and unfortunately, like, 
they don't really have it. Like, you can call a judge over and like, hey, you know, we're not moving fast enough. But they don't really have anything explicit there, so they're leaving it very ambiguous. And I feel like that ambiguity is not necessarily to its advantage. Well, I like I like their little like hot spots and their highlights where they're like, "Hey, here's when here's when we're going to make our little announcements." Which I I I, I kind of like it in all honesty. Um, they're like, "Hey, you should be on your third battle round." But um, sure, but if you aren't, what happens? Yeah, and then. And then they also yeah. reference things like playing your first turn. And it's like, bro, I know so many armies played by some of the best players yeah. in the world that are that are going to take more than a 20-minute turn. Have you seen new no, AdMech? No one, no <laughs> one takes 20 minutes on their first turn unless it's a, like, move advance done turn. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I'm, I thought we were still in the command phase of the of, uh, of AdMech, like, after 20 minutes. I yeah. don't <laughs> Yeah. Like, it's... Mm. But other than that, like their their expectations are are pretty reasonable. I think in ninth edition, three hours is more than enough time. It's definitely not. It's definitely a much faster edition. Uh, but with the tournament being mm-hmm. for everyone, like I do have my fears, uh, especially without like a code of conduct or anything like that. Of, of some people may abusing like abusing that because I know there's gonna be that guy that's like, oh, there's, there's yep. I can take all the time I need. Cool, I'm gonna bring three hundred nerglings uh, and exist. Yeah, and that's and that's why I feel like chess clocks or some sort of explicit system or something would be better uh, because if you if you run up against three hundred early and guy and he's like all I'm doing is moving my models are you saying I can't move my models um, and the judge is gonna be like yeah he should get to move his models um, and then suddenly he gets two and a half hours out of the game and you get nothing and congratulations yeah um. The other thing is uh, how they are doing the tournament is they're doing this bracketing system. For first four rounds are random, probably, uh, or actually four are the rounds? usual. I thought that was only the first round. The first four round, they do the win path thing, like we usually do in normal ITC tournaments. So that's where battle score and records get paired up. And then after the fourth round, you split into these sub-brackets for the rest of the event. So they're trying to pair you with people of similar oh, skill. okay, yeah. So you have some chance it's still winning. So if you, like, get pounded the first four rounds, you're with a bunch of other people who got pounded the first four rounds. Right. It is a weird set of choices there because they could have just used win path for the whole thing. They could have done brackets after a couple of rounds, but instead they like you do two thirds of the tournament, then you go to brackets, and then the last two rounds are bonus rounds. They're optional. Uh, yeah, it's very odd. Um, also, they have Battle Masker, which is the person with the highest victory points, regardless of record or bracket. So that's going mm-hmm. back to those European, like, just get all the victory points that I never liked. I, I somewhat like the bracket off after, especially at a tournament at large, uh, just because, like, you can get sure. some weird pair downs. Uh, and, like, yeah. when you have third, like, 10 people with a same or similar score that could get paired, um, it's easier, it's honestly just like a more even setting to like make those 16 people duke it out. Uh, and like, while it 
it, once again, it's a tournament more pushed toward everyone. Like, if the top 16 get put into their own bracket to beat on each other for two rounds, uh, I like that a bit more than, you know, the possible pair downs that could be happening otherwise. Right, but, but like, you know, Nova, or I believe, does brackets in the same way or a similar way. Um, the difference is, like, Nova has, like, day one determines your brackets, and then day two and three you play in your brackets. This one, like, you go into your bracket halfway through day two. Yeah, that is... Uh, yeah. I wonder how they're going to do that, that split's going to be... Yeah, that's that's my objection, not the brackets. That lunch period's secretly not an hour, it's longer. Yeah. Yeah, I bet day two lunch is long. Yeah the the other the other thing and day one lunch has a delay. The other thing to consider is that well, to all the listeners out there that plan playing one of these events, play round seven or round eight, especially if you're worried about your ITC score. Every round you play right adds to your score, especially with multipliers. So play that round seven and yeah. round eight. The seven and eight are technically optional, but uh, they do straight up say, like, if you withdraw, you are considered to have lost those two rounds. Yeah. Um, also, winning your bracket is a way to win a prize at the event. Mm-hmm. Um, fun fact. I I do like their prizes for the most part. You know, they have the uh, best general, which is the person who nominally won the event. Uh, or won the event in reality, uh, the nominal winner is averages in your paint score as well for best overall. Um, and, you know, you have your best painted. They're, they, they couldn't help but call second place something stupid, but there is a second place award and winner of your bracket. I actually like second to one, uh, yeah. mostly because it's specifically the player who loses to the best general versus the second place player. Like, especially at a tournament like that, you if you lose round, if you lose your last round to the top guy, you can get knocked down three, four spots, uh, and officially yeah, be like true. a fourth or a fifth place. And that's as a person who has had that happen to him a lot. Um, Mm-hmm. I really appreciate that award. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I'm not proud that it's yeah. happened to me, but I I see that. And I'm just like, you know what? I wish this existed sooner. Right. Although it the 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 thing I find weird about it is the name, not the the method for determination. I like the method for determination. I agree that like that system, especially in a bracket system like this, like oh yeah, that makes sense. Like. The guy who lost to the best general was the second best general. Um, yeah. It's just like they couldn't call it second place. They had to call it something fancier. Yeah, I, the, the name is corny, but I, I, I yeah. actually love the award in all honesty. So Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm on board there. So the next section is table layouts, which are fixed. And fun fact... The head TO of Nova was helping organize all three of these events, so we're not surprised to see. Yeah, these it's really obvious terrain. that uh, Mr. Brandt Nova heavily influenced their terrain layout. Which I don't know about you guys; these these terrain tables are really heavy on obscuring terrain. Honestly, like, they showed yeah. examples of it today. Um, I was looking at it, yeah. and I'm not upset with it at all. Um, I thought, I was expecting those boxes to be like, 
much more like large obscuring it's like no the, the front end's obscuring the back end has stuff on it but it's still area terrain if you're viewing it from a particular side it's not like you you get but obscuring obscuring is an infinitely tall box correct um i'm just saying like the so, the way they have the area yeah. terrain set if you're still touching it you know you don't benefit from not being seen and like so it's the 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 angles you need to get behind it i Seeing it in actual practice versus the top down, I, I feel way better about it having actually like seen what a table looks like now. In all honesty, like this, what, yeah, what you see in the packet is not, what you see in the packet makes you nervous. What you see on the table is not not that bad at all. No, I I get it. Like it is not all that unusual of terrain for ninth edition games. Um, but as someone who you know plays armies that use shooting and are not just melee armies, uh, I look at that and I'm like, oh, I won't get to shoot. Uh, there's, there's, I'm not going to get to fire my guns most of the game. Um, so don't expect to see a whole lot of Tau at the top tables or Eldar. Yeah, I, having seen the actual tables, I feel a lot better than what the paper gave. That's, that's the, my first gist of it. The second gist of it is, I believe what they have on paper and what they've shown in IRL um, are two different things. I believe those large those large pieces of obscuring are a bit smaller. Can you still hide a solid mm-hmm. thousand plus points of your army behind obscuring on turn one? Yes. Uh, the purpose of what the law they did here, um, I appreciate the purpose where if you want to hide, you're not going to be in objectives. If you want to be in objectives, you're probably going to get seen, yeah. which is why you don't have uh, corner obscuring, which you see at a lot of other events. Um, and such like that. And then, of course, you know, you have your objectives where they can't exist inside terrain, which is why they have right. it fixed in the cross it is, because a lot of times objectives are going to fall exactly in that open area. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, that's the whole point of having the, the fixed terrain layout, is like that it, it will always work with the objective setup. I I do find it interesting that, like, they list you know, there are three different types of terrain on the uh, on the table, and they all have almost exactly the same keywords. Yeah, I think I think what's you're also running into that though outside GW tournaments too. A lot of things are just look, yeah. Here's obscuring. Like the mo- the thing that comes up more often. Some keywords are better than the others. The thing that comes up more often than anything is 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 is, is dense. That's the thing that comes up more often than not of mm-hmm. do some tables have that some tables have it some tables don't but almost all tables have like four to six obscuring pieces and et cetera, et cetera. so it's not it's not crazy um i i like the fact uh that there is a standardized uh set it is very nova-esque obviously um i'm pretty pleased that gw pushed out some like basically gave their signature on it uh because Mm-hmm. In a reference for the rest of the world, running RTTs and game stores, etc., they now have something to look at that came from GW, because uh, there's still a world out there where people yeah. don't know the ITC yeah. exists. I I very much appreciate, like, this is what we consider to be standard terrain as a thing. Even if I may have some objections to that terrain, just its existence gives every other tournament a model to work off of. Yes, and because we have it, we can practice with it. Yep. That is the benefit. Oh, you bet I practiced on LVO terrain when they standardized that uh, the previous year. So. Yep. Um, well, 
Are we quite done with Trainer, or do I move on to something else? Um, I don't think I have a whole lot more to say there. Okay, cool. Uh, so the last thing is one page, and it's basically, hey, COVID's still a thing, we're trying not to be dumbasses about this. Mm-hmm. We might have to change things because COVID. Yeah. And considering the states these are being held in, that is a legit thing they have to yeah, say. is looking pretty likely that it's still gonna be an issue there. Well, I will say... With um, my state's about to open up, but we've been good. I will say with pessimism, at this recording we have the Delta variant becoming a thing, um, that a lot of the site location choice was based on uh, current lenient COVID regulations on... And if and on a yeah. on a will our event close or not run? If it's in Florida, it's going to run. It it doesn't matter. Yeah. If, if it's in Texas, is going like, to all these events are going to fire. Uh, it's up to the person, the people in attendance, to make choices on their health and safety at that point. Um, and like as a as you know, I'll, I'll make my decision at the time. And you know, travel travel agencies are pretty friendly to changes and cancellations these days. Um, you know. There, that's definitely a thing coming down the road. You know, be smart, make choices for yourself. But uh, GW definitely mm-hmm. chose these three states, um, and none of those, and not many other states, because of the fact that these events will run. Yeah, they don't. They don't care how many people will die as a result of the tournament. They are going to run it no matter what. <laughs> Yeah, and that's probably why Callie wasn't on there now that I think about it, because Callie actually has some Could sort be. of semblance of COVID restrictions. They're, they're still closed. Yeah. Nevada's not closed. Vegas has been open since June 1st, so we're we COVID doesn't exist here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, as I was told in Indiana, everyone started ignoring the regulations, because at this point, if you wanted to get vaccinated, you got vaccinated, and if you didn't want to get vaccinated and weren't gonna, then you weren't gonna at this point. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I, I am losing a bit of empathy, but I also had to follow a bit of the, uh, of the scientific thing of let's not create new variants, and that's really the only thing that I'm being behaving about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and uh, what if my immediate coworkers can't be vaccinated? He has a medical exemption from that. Um, he's allergic to a lot of stuff they use in vaccines. It turns out. Yeah, and that's why mm-hmm. that's why we try to get that good old herd immunity. But hopefully, by the time these yeah. fire, we're in a better spot, not a worse spot. Um, but only time will tell. But these, I will say, I don't see these events not firing um, based on that. Oh, they're going <laughs> off one way or the other. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, those three states, yes. <laughs> um. But I, I, I will say I'm not personally attending any of these because of the three states they're in and my confidence of the people around me. Yeah. Since I'm planning on attending, on attending uh, all of the uh, Frontline Gaming Opens, um, I may only attend one of these events. I was targeting New Orleans, mm-hmm. but uh, they're also doing a New Orleans event for Frontline Gaming. So I'm... I may may do Austin because I got friends that live there and it'd be a relatively cheap trip and such for me, so. Yeah, I, considering they are all events I would have to fly to, uh, that really pits them against the other, like, super major or major level events in the country. Uh, And if I have to choose between going to Nova or one of these, it's not even a decision. Yeah, and frankly... 
all new things always have growing pains and this is still a new yes. thing even though they've done it before i really want to see how their first event goes even though tickets might be sold out to the other two by the time that fires but you know wait lists are a thing um uh-huh. i really want to see how the first event goes if the first event is like mostly awesome just a few logistical errors cool all for it um if it turns out to be a freaking nightmare mm, we'll, we'll see if they can fix it like i'd I really don't want to go to the first one. Yeah. That that's we we don't actually know who is like the one organizing these, do we? Because like, yeah, I know uh, Mike Brandt was like brought in on things, but that's not to say he's the one running the event logistics or anything. So I do happen to know a little bit about that from the ITC organizer page. Um, They called, Games Workshop approached all the really, really big TO running organizations like Frontline and Nova and Adepticon. Yeah. And they have some sort of hodgepodge mix of all of those people. Yeah, it's a mix of people that all currently run stuff. They didn't pull in people that don't have experience or haven't done this before. Um, It's just particularly... They they pulled in big boy tournament runners. So they're... Hmm. They've definitely, and I know there was like some crossplay where, you know, where Reese from Frontline was like, what the heck guy when they like did like the Louise, like the New Orleans event when they're doing a New Orleans open. So, you know, yeah, weird, but at the same time, like, you know, high, you know, rising tides float all boats, you know, go to all tournaments, do all the things. I'm excited for all of it. I, I like 40k becoming mm-hmm. a bigger and bigger thing and getting support from your actual vendor the actual like company that owns the IP and does everything like I imagine the prize support and the cool stuff that'll be at those events and like you know you can go by like just going to the event is like going to like a Warhammer uh, cafe like they're gonna have a bunch of stuff there uh, that's gonna be exclusive mm-hmm. to the event stuff like that so there's there's gonna be a lot of great things there's a lot of cool reasons to go other than just the champion tournament um yeah, and, and and I've been very pessimistic about these whole things, but I suspect it will be a pretty good tournament. It's obviously a huge step up from what they've done before. Uh, I just, like, the first thing I look at when I look at a tournament is, like, what are they going to do wrong? What is going to ruin the tournament? And that's just how my brain works. It doesn't mean the tournament's necessarily going to be bad, but it's definitely what I'm going to focus yeah. on. G- GW sunk a lot yeah. of money into listening to players and doing and basically trying to make things right and making and like expanding their brand. Like they bought a ton, they bought a ton of stuff that was using their IP for their Warhammer Plus. Mm-hmm. They've they're pushing out you know new models. They're doing tournaments. Like they've really been listening to the community, and it's one of those things where like. When when a company does that, I want to support them. Um, so yeah. if you know, I want to go. Hey, here's positive reinforcement for you doing the thing. Uh, and if going to their tournament is that positive reinforcement, I'll at least try to go to one. Yeah, yeah. I'm of the three. Um, I probably go to the one that's latest, which I think is Texas. If I recall correctly. Even all other things aside, I think Texas is probably the one I would be most likely to be interested in attending. Um, just based on the location and other stuff, yeah. It's the closest. Yeah, I think if I go to any, it would definitely be Austin. So. Also, it's easier to go with friends. Alright, well, there's our... Uh opinions on this packet and the implications therein and thereof want to bring us out sean or are we even gonna bother 
Well, you may as well. Uh, Alright. So, if you were interested in all this, and you like what we had to say, uh, maybe you want to talk to us about it, or you see something we forgot, or didn't notice, or you have information we don't, you can contact us on inthefinesthour at gmail.com. You can also contact us through Facebook, where we are also In The Finest Hour. And if you really appreciate what we do here and you want to help support us for $5 a month, you can join our Patreon and you'll gain access to our private Discord channel as well as our private Facebook group. Uh, And you can see the models we post and the tournaments we go to and all that sort of thing. So thank you very much to everyone who has joined our Patreon. We really appreciate what you do. And without you, we wouldn't have the equipment or the hosting we need to run this show. I'd like to thank Rylan Woodrow for his awesome epic art, which... To be frank, has put the tournament packet iconography to shame for what GW yeah. has done. They clearly should have hired him, and it would have been way better in all fronts. Um, if you would like to find out more about him, you can find him on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and various other artistically placed places. He is Rylan Woodrow. And if you enjoy the wonderful tunes that play on our show, you can find Dank Muse's work on SoundCloud, Spotify, and YouTube. Well, that's about wrapping us up for this week. So next week we are having a a guest, and it will be the theme of sisters with our friends. Oh, your sister's going to be on the show. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I could invite Holly on. I think you might regret that. Yeah, probably. Oh, I'm inviting the the current uh, number one in the ITC sisters player, uh, Postcodex, uh, to talk with us about sisters in this edition. Which I'm actually excited for because I'm trying to learn that army. All right. Uh, so that's all for this week. Uh, I've been Shaylin Allen West. Sean Morgan. Ben Jerry. Thanks for listening. <laughs>